The views expressed in this presentation are expressly those of the presenter and do not reflect the official policy or position of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or United States government. especially calls out to you or even resonates for you, whether it's like your ethnic, like background, your gender, religion, or even your family. That's easy, but first, let me do my thing and keep it 100% faithful for you all. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening worldwide. You are now listening to the hottest. We, the rebel nation, the revolution, and the revolt. That is Red Alert and me. I'm simply the advisor, Christian, the hype man, slash live from Dev4, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And we got a spot all up in your multimedia systems, and we appreciate that. Now, to answer the question, for those who don't know, that's my daughter there talking. That's Christiana Sledge. She's always trying to get into my mind and figure out what I'm thinking. So today, uh, I'm going to share with you all what I'm thinking. And it is simple. Failure, okay, is simply your portal to your success. Failure is the key to your success. Okay, A lot of people don't like to talk about failure because failure makes us feel the way we feel, right? So it's not associated with anything good, right? Failure is implied as bad. You fail to do something. You, you know, fail to, to hit a target. You fail to hit a mark, you know? So people don't want to talk about failure, but it is important to understand that it is a part of our everyday lives. Okay. One does not simply just arrive, you know, to the point where we want to be. Okay. Julia Sledge, that's my mom. She didn't have a baby. I pop out. I'm I'm Captain Sledge and I'm a leader and I'm a warrior and I demand some respect and a check. Like that, that, that's not how it goes down. Like Colonel Young says, that's not how any of this goes. Right. We we have to go through our lives and get that experience. And through those experiences, we get a lot more failures than successes. Think of anyone that you idolize, whether they're in the military, a CEO, a musician, an artist, anything like that. And you'll recognize immediately that, man, they had some failures in life. They had some major failures in life. Everybody's got the small ones, right? But they had some major failures in life in order to achieve the success that you got to see at the end. But a lot of people don't realize how much of an impact that was failures had on them. I mean, failure to the point where people are ended up homeless and they don't know where to go and somehow become multi-million and billionaires. And you're just like, man, how, how did you get there? My, they'll tell you my failures, right? My failures told me where I could go and where I could not go. It taught me something about myself. It gave me a brand new challenge. So just think about that and think about what's going on in, in, in your lives, right? And what got you there? I promise you what got you there wasn't 100% success. You had to go through a whole entire process in order to get you where you are today. And most of those things, if you reflect on it, it was probably failures, right? If we went through our lives completely successful and we didn't miss, we never missed a mark. I'm talking about across any spectrum. Man, I, I don't know how we could appreciate when we don't hit a mark or how to have to go back into the drawing board, how we have to go back to, to the drawing board in order to figure out what we need to do to be better. That, that's very hard for me to, to, to wrap my mind around because throughout our lives, we have failed to do certain things that we need to do, right? Or um, hit a mark. That's just a part of it. 
So now a lot of people say that, well, Captain Sledge, what do you know about that? You know, hype man, what do you know about that? You know, I was like, look, I'm telling you, throughout my life, like I said before, I didn't failed way more times I have been successful. Let me go up into my personal failures. I promise you, as a child, right? I went through those. Everybody's go through those. But uh, let's let's fast forward to, you know, 20 years ago when I was in basic training and I failed a, a, a locker room inspection and Sergeant Ramirez was about to recycle me into the next uh, the flight behind me because I couldn't get it straight. Right. But somehow she she spared me. Right. But trust me, it was a rough day. It was a rough day out there. OK, we're talking about Lackland Air Force Base. Um, let's talk about some of the drill failures, drill evaluation failures I had. When I was in the Air Force Honor Guard, when I was struggling to make it through that tech school, because that was not an easy tech school. That was very difficult. Right. I struggled to the point where I almost did not make it through. It was pretty doggone close. Again, somebody had faith in me. Right. Fast forward. I don't know how many rides, you know, sensor operator rides at the uh, 30th Reconnaissance Squadron at Creech Air Force Base when I was going through training that I hooked. Now, when you hooked, that means you pretty much fail. You got to do it again. Again, so many times that they were questioning my ability to be able to do that job. Okay, that but somebody had faith in me. They say, you got to go back out there. You got to try it again. Let me tell you about the time when I was going through missile school and me and me and my uh, crew partner, uh, Lillard at the time, you know, he's an army now. I don't know. What he's doing, I hope. Yeah, I think he's doing legal. But anyway, the point is, we're going through there. We we doing a good. We having a good time out there, killing that eval, and went around and 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 missed a key turn during combat targeting, and we didn't even know we Q three that ride until the end where they say you Q three that ride, and we were like, what? They're like, yeah, you, that's the point of the react system, Captain Sledge or Lieutenant Sledge at the time. You you gotta hit that target every time. I was like, y'all are having such a good time. You you, you know. Taking your time, you forgot the key turn on time. So we got to fail you. Man, I've been through that. We're not even talking about the parental failures. We're not talking about the father failures. We're not talking about the, the husband failures that, and, and all the other things, all my other responsibilities and duties as a failure. So don't nobody tell me about, you know, that I don't know nothing about failure. I, I evaluate myself every single day and, and figure out how to be better. But if you noticed, Every time I mentioned a failure, I mentioned somebody gave me another chance. Whether it was, you know, God or the universe or just somebody, if it was just Chief Johnson from the honor guard, right? Just, just give them a chance, right? If it was, you know, I remember all those people, even Sergeant Ramirez, all those people who said, you know what? Let me just give them a chance. Sometimes we need the grace and mercy of just having a chance. Okay, so that's the difference. If you got somebody there willing to give you a chance, then your failures are not for not when you become successful, when you get it. All right. But we're going to talk about success in a minute. We're going to keep focusing on. The failure part of it. Okay, let's talk about ROTC. When I see a debt drop or I see a disenrollment happen. When I see a disgruntled cadet. That's upset with me because I gave them the. The answer, although it was not popular, that's not the one they want. And they walk out disgruntled. I look at myself. I said, did I fail this person? Did, 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 I, did I do the right thing by them? Should I just told them what they wanted to hear? Right. Should I said something to Colonel to try to save this person when they probably there's nothing to save them with. Right. Maybe. But I think about that. Could I have done better? Could I have been more understanding of their situation and and focused on them a little bit more and got them to that point. The answer, I know the answer is no, but I can't help but to think that's my, a personal failure of mine. I have to eat some of that. So don't tell me I don't know nothing about it. I, it's, it happens to me all the time and it happens to you all the time. Okay. But again, I have Colonel Young. I got uh, Captain Sutton. I got all the other cadre staff. I got you singing and saying, hey, you are not a failure. You get a little grace and mercy as well. And that gives me the support to keep going because sometimes it's very, very heavy. OK, so I know the question is, how do you combat failure? Right. I got I told you grace and mercy. That helps. But there's two major things in my life that um, that I reflect on when I go to these things. One is my grandmother. That's Lacey Kelsey. All right. Let's make sure we get that all the way straight. 
Now she's a Southerner who, you know, she passed away, but she's a, she was a Southerner from Mississippi, used to pick cotton and all that other stuff like that back in the day. She should tell me the stories when I was little. But one thing she used to kind of tell me when it came to those kinds of things, when it coming to failure, she said, look, it might take me a while to get something, right? And I might struggle and I might fumble with it. But when I got it, boy, you can't tell me nothing, boy. Tell me nothing about it. All right. I got it. So she's telling me that, yeah, I might fail at it. But when I when I got the victory, I'm drinking the sweet Kool-Aid out of the victor's cup. You for sure. And you can't tell me nothing about it. I got it. And that's how I feel sometimes. All right. Uh, That's how I handle failure. That's one way. Thomas Edison mentioned that, hey, I didn't I didn't fail. I simply just found 10,000 things that didn't work. Okay, that's a good way of fit. See, the difference of how people view failure is how you understand it. And they have absorbed the fact that, hey, I'm going to fail in life. But how I react to it is going to define me as a person. Am I going to throw a fit or am I going to say, okay, well, this is a weak spot of mine. Do I truly want what I'm looking for? Then let me go back at it and get it again. Get that victor's cup because that's what it's about. Okay, we don't want failure. Right. We, we despise it. We, we don't want that feeling because it just makes us feel, you know, lower than low. It's, it's horrible. Just think of failure and success as sunshine and, and rain. Right. Everybody loves success. Every, that's the sunshine. And they can't stand the rain like new edition. Right. They can't stand it. But remember, the rain is responsible for the sustainment of life on Earth. We need it just like we need failure to show us where our failures are. So we can become better people. All right. Uh, So I challenge you to not desire failure, but understand it as a part of your life that it's going to happen and to react accordingly. All right. So with failure, it enables you to grow. That's that rain, those rainy days. It enables you to grow and become successful. Right. There is nothing better than failing something, but then coming back and becoming successful at it. That makes the, the that makes the Kool-Aid in the, the victor's cup just that much sweeter. So I challenge you guys out there. OK, you guys are going to be failing left and right, whether they're PFAs or drill evaluations or, you know, GLPs or 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 what. Ever all those things that that you got to deal with in training and all that other stuff like that. Look, embrace that part of it as a part of life. Figure out how you need to make yourselves better. And then with that, go get your Victor's Cup. Let's go. Let's get at it. You are listening to the For the People Hypercast Show. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the folks who have finally come back after a long vacation. In case you haven't heard, this is Soul Train with uh, your host, Don Cornelius. If you don't know who Don Cornelius is, you don't know what Soul Train is, or you are just too young to know. No, I'm just kidding. You know what it is already. This is For the People, Red Alert. That team, that doggone team, again, back at it. You know, they thought they was gone. Everybody wanted Red Alert to disappear. But Red Alert is back on the scene, crispy and clean. You guys need to understand that what we got for you guys is so real. It's so legit. And we are always glad to be back to be able to give you guys the news that you need. Because, hey, some of us were not supposed to, you know, some of us are not supposed to be here. Some of us are not supposed to enjoy these moments but we are here even though the day is gloomy it is nice for us because we are still above ground we are doing our thing and we got to give our shouts out to our respective divinities the universe and all that cool stuff because uh it's very easy not to be here so with that being said hey of course i'm your primary host and advisor christian the hype man sledge out here at air force rotc detachment 004 servicing you today but this show is nothing without the crew who has came back from a long vacation all right and they're finally ready to give you the heat and what you need okay so how this is gonna go this is season two so we got some new characters for you guys so all i'm gonna do for you guys is give them a slight 
introduction. They're, I'm going to call their name. They're going to go ahead for the overhead pass. They're going to let you know that they are in the building. And then we're going to go right into what Wade's got to say, because I'm sure he's been holding back for a long time. So without further ado, the best team, the team that does it all. All right. So here we go. Coming up first, we got Cadet Elizabeth General. What is up, y'all? All right. Next up, new character in the building. We got Cadet Camilla Valentine. Valentine checking in. All right. And of course, we got a classic over here. My inbound replacement. We have Captain Cronister. Wherever she is. Wherever she, she is. Left. She got to unmute her mic. You got to unmute her mic. We'll get her in post. All right. So we got, of course, second in command of the Red Alert team. We have Cadet Dante Wade. Yeah, buddy. All right. And then we got, of course, the amazing Mrs. Cruz News herself, Mrs. Bite Size Advice. We have Cadet Fernanda Ballesteros. Alive and well. All right, and then, of course, we have in the background, you guys will not be able to hear him. That would be, of course, Mr. Transmission himself, Cadet Min Tran. That's how we go. So with that being said, that is the crew for the day. All right, so with that, Cadet Wade is still in the airspace. He's got something to say, so let's go ahead and open the floor for him. Cadet Wade, what's going on with you out there? Let's get it cracking. I'm doing good. Coming back. Um, Vacation. We all came back from it. I took a little trip to the Philippines, the motherland, and I was out there living the dream, you know, eating mangoes, trying to find, b- buying bottled water and stuff because, you know, they don't got, you can't drink it from the, the tap or the, the fridge like we have it here. But overall, just a general good experience and a good time to be able to take a break, you know, in the daily hustle, but then come right back to it and and finish the job, you know, because the job's not finished. We're all trying to commission, and then we still got more to do on the way. But the thing that I want to talk about today is as we do push forward and, you know, continue to finish, as we look back, we all have some some pretty great stories, some great feats of achievement, but also some, some pretty darn good failures, you know. Being a pretty decently sized attachment you know we're pretty large but we're also pretty close we've all of us have been able to see each other fail and do something really stupid at some point in time <laughs> except for you cam sledge you can do no wrong so yeah, all, right. your, <laughs> all your failures probably come from you know back before you met us all but i wanted to talk about that and ask you maybe as you progress to go through the ranks have a success, successful family and successful life what are some of the the failures that were almost essential that defined you and how do you get past them and make them a part of you to make you better because i know i've got mine but i wanted to hear from you yeah man so my failures man as much as i hated going through them i had to go through them in order to become the quote-unquote success i am today i had to arrive so I mean, yeah, you can't just, you know, pop out, you know, into the world and, and, and bam, I got my cat and bars right away. You know what I'm saying? Just put those on my shoulder as a baby. Right. And that, that's right. not realistic. That ain't how it works. Uh, so. So, yeah, I had some some pretty. Man, my list of failures are are innumerable. It's like a rap sheet. Like it, I failed more times in my life than I succeeded for sure. Um, but when I succeeded, I succeeded and I, I owe those to those failures that I had back in the day, if that makes sense. So I'm sure if you guys think about it, uh, now, as you guys reflect on your lives, I'm highly confident that, that, you know, when you guys were going through your failures, Hey, I didn't do this. I didn't hit the mark here. I didn't hit the mark there. But when you, you know, when you reflect on it and you see that, Oh man, I made this, I was able to do this because I learned I had a weakness here. And I was able to conquer that weakness and I was able to go in and pass it and take care of this and, and pass it. I, I promise you the, the the victory is is that much sweeter. Um, I know you guys have thought about something like that. So um, what gets past what got me past it was, was the grace and mercy. That's what got me past it. Like, believe it or not, like it, it, it it's 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 real because um, you're going to fail. But 
the people who encourage you and, and say you can do it, hey, you know, hey, I noticed you got that drill wrong. Let me pull you to the side and hey, meet me at nine o'clock, you know, a.m. at this time. And I'm gonna help you through that. Right. That's that that grace and mercy that people are all deserve. Everybody deserves a little grace and mercy. Everybody deserves a, a second chance uh, at life and in, 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 in order to conquer their failures. So that made the difference between me falling into the abyss and me saying, you know what, I got to try again and ultimately getting that success. So whenever you guys go through that failure, remember that it's, it's that it's that grace and mercy that you're looking for in order to patch you up, dust you off and get you moving forward. That's what got me through every time. I can't tell you how many times I fail. I can't tell you how many times I fail as a as a as a father, as a as a, you know, as a military member, as an enlisted member, as an NCO, as a CGO, uh, an ROTC. I can't tell you how many times I got through it or, or failed. But what got me through it was somebody sat me down and said, man, you can make it through. You know, mm-hmm. like, don't even worry about that. You know, you know, here's a little bit of grace and mercy, man. We all go through it and you're going to be okay. So you're going to fail. You are going to fail and it's going to feel like crap. But look for the people who are giving you that grace and mercy. And those are the people that you always want to keep close to you because you're going to fail more and you want to be able to rely on those people to give you the positive and true feedback that you need in order to become successful. Does that make sense? No, a hundred percent. I think it does. And it, it really puts it in perspective for us youngins who are coming up and trying to do the thing. I think to look backwards and maybe speak to the younger guys that come into the detachment and understand, oh, I showed up late. I missed the whole lead lab or PT. You know, my, I'm going to get ranked really badly and blah, blah, blah. I think it's important to understand uh, the institution of ROTC itself. It is that place for you to practice and learn the lessons hard. You know, it's almost a simulation per se before, before it gets real, because I think we would rather get our failures out and have them a hundred percent be our fault so that we can, you know, get it out of our systems before you commission and you go out there where you're in charge of other people's lives, or there's now a new factor. Now, now the enemy gets a say in some of the decisions and things that you're doing. Where in Ratsi, you know, the only enemy that you have is really time and yourself. Nothing else is really working against you. Everything else is working to build you up. So that's was kind of like my philosophy as a cadet is coming up is, you know, I'm a 100 and I don't know. I don't know anything at all, but I'm going to try really darn hard and I'm going to fail. And I'm going to be happy about that failure because I know that I can polish myself up. And, you know, get to that shiny bronze that I'm trying to turn myself into. And I think it's hard because every single cadet that's in your detachment is trying to do that at the same time, too. And then you have a very, you know, large clash of people and personalities that are trying to do their best, but they're they don't really know what they're doing. So that's why, you know, you might get aggravated when people are messing up or they don't know how to, you know, maybe communicate properly as a mature adult or as a leader. And I think that's a big one, too, is learning how to talk and how to be yourself as a leader. That was a big one for me. And that was something I had to learn is, you know, I have my own way of communicating and it's not always the most effective. And I learned that very hard, you know, coming coming up. It is I think it's part of the process is that you're going to upset some people and you're going to have to, you know, apologize and shake hands along the way because people are going to have to be subjected to the failures that you're exposing them to as you're failing, right? You have to learn. And I think that is what you can measure yourself along as well to determine, Oh, I'm finally climbing the mountain. Yeah, I, I agree. Everybody else jump in on this one. You know, when you fit, fa- when you fail, it's like, cool. It, I, that's me. Right. But imagine failing somebody else. Imagine failing your crew, your your yeah. you know your flight, your squadron, or whatever the case may be. It's one of those things that is just that's even grueling. That's even more grueling, right? So when I take my PFAs, when I take because I'm subject to the same things that you guys are subject to. So I think of I think of you. I think of all of y'all. Like if I let you guys down right here, I better be on a stretcher coming out of that SRWC. I better I better be like on my deathbed because. 
I cannot come back to y'all and say that I failed that. Like, I cannot. I, I do not accept that risk. I need a broken leg. I need a heart attack. I need some, right? In order, I'm serious. As all, I'm serious, right? And that's that's what we all feel about Kadri because we all think of you when we do that. So if, if while you're going through your evaluations, if if people can think of others and how that impacts others, if they can't make their 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 milestones, then that might help them motivate them to in order to make sure that like failure is 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 very much almost not an option right at least if i failed i, I gave it my my all right so yeah just think about that that's what i would pass to everybody else who's going through it think about who you're doing it for and if you can think about it you're doing it for more than yourself then you tend to do a little bit more even though you're tired you'll get back up you will take a breath and you will do a little more yeah i completely 100%. agree because i remember when i was a flight commander what two years ago or like <laughs> i don't remember how long ago that was um that was my best pfa score that semester and you're just like exactly what you said captain sledge you don't want to fail them you know you're like how can i be hard on them if i can't even be hard on myself and i think what made it better was all of them decided to come for that poc pfa day and they were like all there in the stands still remember like could i gorge just holding a sign and like <laughs> a whole bunch of people but you're like oh dang like I, I can't let them down and i feel like one of the biggest things when i was wing commander that i really struggled with is when i broke my foot and i wasn't able to like demonstrate that i was like dang like i don't know it was such a like a different hurdle because you're like i can't like I'm setting up all these standards and regulations, right? For specifically for POC and I can't do them myself right now. And it, you're just like in a really weird bubble. So that was something I felt like I had to overcome because it wasn't necessarily like a purposeful, purposeful failure. It's not like I strategically <laughs> planned to break my foot, but you know, you still couldn't do it. So you're like, how can I show myself up in other ways? Um, Say so that that was an interesting like semester to say the least. Some people schedule their own uh, injuries. Oh yeah, I'm scheduled to be sick that day. I'm scheduled to break my foot that day. It's crazy. I'm telling you right now. I hadn't seen it all. I was like, yeah, it's weird. But I get what you're saying too. Cool. So yeah, anybody else got anything to say on that? Or before we move on. Cool. Nothing hurt. Okay. So with that being said, all right, we're gonna go ahead and pivot to our next segment, all right? So that will be Connect General. She's got some health and fitness news for you guys. So without uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and kick it to her and let her run with the ball. All right, y'all, um, continue um, popping in your thoughts and feedback on this. I want to have more of a conversation for this. But continuing on that PFA idea mindset, let's talk about it. It's rough. It's difficult. PFAs are not easy. They're not designed to be easy, especially with ROTC. We don't have the luxury of choosing what event we can do. We have to do the push-ups, sit-ups, and then the 1.5 mile run. And it's not easy. Yeah, you guys got to do it too. Also, when, when the cadre tell you to do it, right? It's not like exactly. you're active duty. I mean, give me a witness here. Right. It's not like you, you guys. Oh, I don't feel good on April 1st. I can wait to all the way to April 30th. Right. You can't do that. Right. So exactly. that's hard to. It's and yeah. So it's difficult when especially like for some detachments, you know, they're taking PFAs every week or some might take it only twice a semester. But that's, again, up to the discretion of your commander or PIFOs, UFPMs, what have you, whatnot. So it kind of. It varies for everyone, but let's talk about how we can get better with them, no matter when we take them. Um, some things that I've always heard, because I was UFPM slash PIFO, if people don't know what UFPM is, for our detachment last semester. And some common things that I got from um, feedback or I need help with this, uh, females typically struggle with the push-ups. Uh, so let's give some tips for that. For anyone that's struggling with push-ups, my first tip, practice how you play. Do push-ups exactly how you would do them on a PFA. And as soon as you feel like you might need to switch to knee push-ups, as soon as you feel a incorrect form, you're not breaking 90, you know, you're, you're not rigid, stop. Immediately stop. Because if you continually do the 
improper uh, reps, repetitions, it will turn into a habit. And you're, I guarantee you, none of us want to be at a PFA, especially at field training. And they're like sitting there and you're like, oh yeah, I usually get like maxed out on pushups. And your counter is just like counting, you get to like 25 and they keep repeating 25. And you're just like, how am I, how am I not getting more? It's because your form is just not there and you didn't practice how you played and you just did pushups with incorrect form. So that is my first tip. Um, does anyone have any more tips for pushups? I could probably say that I finally maxed pushups for this PFA. That was something that I always struggled with. Heck yeah. Um, I was always just, yeah, I was always just a few off, but like after last PFA last semester, I was like, I really want to max pushups. So I literally like went right back down to the basics and I really focused on form. Like I went, every pushup I did was so slow and controlled. Like I didn't count it unless it was breaking, like breaking 90 degrees. Um, but the things that helped me was I first started by focus on like building that strength up. Um, I, I weight lift all the time anyway, and I am pretty strong, but I realized my triceps was pretty weak. Like I had the chest and I had the shoulders. So I started implementing more tricep workouts, but in, in between those workouts, I would drop and do like 10 pushups and even to, as much as it hurt, like until failure. And that's when I started growing the most was like, I kept doing pushups until my last one, I couldn't get up. And that wasn't even just for the PFA. That was like every other day when I went to the gym. Um, but another thing that really did help me, there's an app called just six weeks. Um, and it's for pushups and it's like six weeks of just doing different things for your pushups. Like it's like five sets of however many amount. And the goal is to get you to do hundred and one sitting. I got up to four weeks and I did that over winter break. And I noticed like, that's when my pushups like just grew so much. Um, and then I just, just yeah, kept absolutely. doing that on my own and just kept focusing on pushups. And now I just do pushups every day. Like it's nothing. And that's just from taking the time to really build that muscle. Yeah, that's, so that's I, I awesome. Wanna, I want to ask you guys, what, or at least Valentine or those who, who are kind of in that in that spot, right? She she personally realized within herself, hey, I need to do better here. Was it previous, you know, quote unquote failures? Uh, what drove you to say, you know what, I've had it, right? I, I've got to pull myself out of this and, and break my own limit. What inspired you guys to actually break through your limit and say, realize, hey, I have a limitation and I am not accepting this limitation. I've got to break it. What was it? Was it <clears throat> the fact that you were in charge of someone else or was it a personal thing or was it, what, what was the, what were the metrics or the, like the, the straw that broke the camel's back and said, I'm not accepting this. You guys all jump in on this For one. me, yeah. it was all of the above. Um, I just, my last PFA, I was off by like five and I was just like, I was just right there and I had very high expectations for myself. And honestly, I hate feeling like I'm not successful. And when I didn't like pass max pushups, I knew I could do better. So that was just my own thing that I just wanted. I, I already set that goal after that first PFA last semester that I am going to pass and max pushups. Um, another thing is I knew I was going to be yeah. a flight commander this semester. And I know how important it is for IMT to start building up the strength. And like, I don't like being a hypocrite. I'm not going to tell you like to keep working on yourself for the PFA, things like that. If I'm not doing it myself. So, um, just, I kind of, what we were talking about earlier, like, I don't want to fail the people around me or the people who look up to me. And I really want to lead by example. So I think that was my biggest thing. And my biggest motivator to really get me to push and pass pushups, like was, I know there's going to be people counting on me and yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say mine was just, I was stagnant with my score for about a year. I was very stagnant with uh, hitting like maybe 92s, 93s. And I would just get really angry because it was like, why am I not getting better? But, um, you know, there's there's complications. FTP semester's rough and, and school. Obviously, that's what we're here for initially. Um, and I was focusing a little bit harder on my grades and I just wasn't putting fitness where it needed to be in terms of all of the racks and stacks of things in my life type of an idea. And so, I just was like kind of like angry and I was kind of PO'd about like, dang, like how am I not getting better with a score? And so I was like, oh, okay, let's identify my major like weak points, that being pushups. So I think doing that just um, really motivated me. And I, every time I was at the gym, I was like, you know what? I'm getting down. I'm doing pushups. I'm doing at least 50. 
perfect push-ups. Whether that takes me increments of five or increments of 15, we're doing it. So anyone else have anything to add? I'm going to hop in here if you guys yeah. can hear me. Sorry, I lost signal earlier. But yeah, so Cadet General said earlier, practice how you play. I'm going to say yes, but go a little bit extra. So your push-up time is one minute. You have one minute to pump out as many push-ups as you can. Try for a minute 15. And if you can, a minute 30. And then after that, two minutes of just pumping out constant, consistent push-ups. That way, when it's PFA time and your adrenaline is running and everything is like pressure and you're built to this point, you're going to feel good. You're going to feel really, really good. And you're going to have that confidence to keep going and you're not going to get stuck in your head. And when you are during the PFA, don't stop at the number. Stop to the time. And if you're practicing past where that time limit is, it's going to be so much easier. Uh, The other thing is a lot of people forget to stretch. And stretching, mobility exercises is consistently the most important thing. If you talk to or listen to like sports podcasts or professional athletes, we'll talk about the importance of stretching and having that good mobility because it'll prevent injury and it just allows your body to perform better than it already is. So if you're finding that you're getting stuck somewhere, your back is tightening too much when you're doing pushups, you probably need to stretch. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I 100% agree. And I'll definitely do one of these days talk about stretching because that is so important. Um, Sweet. So switching it up to the next portion of the PFA, the sit-ups. I find that typically females never have a problem with sit-ups. It's the males that typically have the issues with the sit-ups. And this is what I tell everyone who wants to get better with sit-ups. What you're going to do is you're going to, again, practice how you play, but um, take a weight. Uh, I like to use like plates. So like a 10 pound plate, five pound plate, 25, 45, whatever, what have you, uh, you're going to put it on your chest as if you were about ready to do these sit-ups and crank out some sit-ups with it on your chest, because that's going to make you have to adjust to a heavier weight of like gravity and sorry heavier center of gravity and a heavier weight on your chest so that when come time to do those uh sit-ups during the pfa you're gonna feel so lightweight and it's gonna be super easy i guarantee you even doing like five with a 25 25 pound plate and then doing sit-ups right after i'm like oh my god like all this strength i feel so light like this is amazing So. so Yeah, so so I mentioned that to you guys uh, before in a previous episode, right? What's the difference between ordinary and extraordinary? What's the difference? What you do, like what you're doing on the side? No, no, no. But beyond that, what's like between the word ordinary and extraordinary? What's the difference? Oh, extra. Exactly. So mm-hmm. obviously, you can see Captain Chronister has been under my wing enough, right, to understand that in order for you to do something, ex- you know, when you want, you know, hit a goal. You got to do something extra to be called extraordinary. So you guys all just described something where it's like, hey, I got to do a little bit more in order for me to hit the target and and be comfortable hitting the target. I'm not struggling to hit the target because I'm so busy going beyond the target. So be extraordinary in all things that you do. The intent is to shoot for the moon. And if you shoot for the moon and miss the moon, you're still amongst the stars. So that is the intent. That's the goal. A lot of people just say, what's the standard? Okay, I'm going to shoot for the standard. And then they go short on the standard. So mm-hmm. shoot high. Say, Don't be afraid to have those goals. Go for them. So there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Sweet. And then so switching up to that last portion, this is probably either your best or your worst. There's no in between. Like genuinely like people are either like runners or they're not. And so... I was never a runner growing up. I hated running. I absolutely despised it. And I wouldn't consider myself a runner today, but I've had a lot of people say, like, tell me like, oh yeah, you're like a runner. And so what I've done to get my mile and a half time down, my first mile and a half I ever did, I got like 18, 19 minutes and it was rough. It was so difficult. It was not easy. And I just kept training and training. It got easier and easier. But I will say the one thing recently that has gotten my mile and a half time down is getting on a treadmill and pushing your limit, literally setting it to a speed where you're just like so uncomfortable 
and sticking with it. So this, there's a lot of things to unpack with going on a treadmill. Obviously, of course, yes, it isn't simulating running exactly on a track as it would on a treadmill. You're not engaging the same amount of muscles, which is okay. Know that like it, it might be a little bit harder to actually run on a track than the treadmill. But a treadmill can be very useful in showing you consistent speed, uh, making sure that you're pacing yourself and also being able to push yourself further than you thought. So I was stagnant at around a 13 minute mile and a half for a very long time. I was lower than that before and I just kind of stopped practicing as much and I, I got stagnant at about 13, 13.05 and it made me so angry because I was like, what the heck? Like I was at a 12.40 like last year. Why am I at a 13 and I can't run faster than that? Um, and there's a lot of things that go into it. You're eating, uh, how much you practice, what type of running you're doing when you're practicing. So it is difficult. So I have been going on a treadmill and setting my speed to ungodly amount fast than I thought I would be able to do. So I brought up my run speed treadmill time from like a 6.5 speed to a 7.5 in a month because I have just been consistently going on a treadmill and setting it to a 7.5 and running until I feel like I'm about to throw up. Mind you, that throw like that like there were some roadblocks and barriers because when you run that fast, your body starts going into like an acidosis state. So, um, cause you're trying to like compensate for so much blood that's going throughout your body, what uh, type of energy you're using. So you'll get nauseous from going so fast because your stomach is filled with so much acidity at that point. But it, if you consistently do it, and I mean, consistently, I mean more than a week people, uh, that like acid in the stomach that makes you nauseous will go down. And it'll get so much better and your runtime will go down. I guarantee it. And it might not go down to exactly what, like when you're performing a PFA, it might not go exactly to what you were doing on a treadmill, but it will go down. I got my runtime down from a 13.05 back in December to a 12.40, um, literally last Wednesday. And it has been so nice. Does anyone want to speak on the running too? That has helped them. Tran already spoke. Tran said we we got we almost out of time. I hate That's running. What Tran oh, said. I'll say that I hate running. Why don't yeah. they got a bench Running's press the on the worst, PFA? But... We need a bench press portion. Well, they got different things now, but y'all not able to participate in that. We about to go back in on this. Okay, so <laughs> you guys are just stuck. But I think Sergeant Mata does like the the hammer test the hammer. or hammer run I'm test or whatever. So. Yeah, so y'all might want to ask Sergeant Mata about that one, how enjoyable that is. She says she has no problems there, but that's something for you guys when you guys go to active duty. But hey, that's the way it is. So, but we yeah. are out of time, so we got to roll to the next uh, section, which is of course one of my favorites. This is Cruise News with Cadet Fernanda Ballesteros. What? Uh, so she got three topics for us today. We'll cover what we can cover. All right, so. Biasteros, with all means, while further to do, go ahead and do your thing, and we will stand by. For sure. So for this segment, I kind of wanted to base it on failure. And these have been some articles, uh, Captain, that you brought up. But I kind of wanted to first touch on um, Major General Philip Stewart that we kind of brought up a couple podcasts past. The one that had a whole bunch of like sexual assault type <laughs> charges, you know, flying under the influence all these type of things. And we kind of just wanted to update you on well, on the whole process, right? And it's pretty lengthy since it's all the legality of stuff, right? Um, but he still is not officially out just yet. Um, so I know we kind of touched on it again for the other previous podcast, but just a little recap. They had his Article 32 preliminary hearing in October, October 24th to be exact, at Randolph Air Force Base. And pretty much it was determining whether there was enough cause for a court-martial. And... Pretty much his lawyer was pretty much saying, you know, this is not enough for a court martial. He was trying to get rid of all all type of um, accusations, um, but <laughs> obviously that did not happen. So in December, 
the court martial authority said, yeah, we're going for a court martial, which is scheduled to be in June. So still in a couple months from now. Um, but they also did submit <laughs> Major General's retirement um, in December as well, which was, you know, cut out. So it's just going straight to the court martial in June. So what are you guys' thoughts? I know there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of lawyer talk. But yeah, what are you guys' thoughts? I mean, this is a man who was a two-star general who did a lot of things working in AETC. And now he's here to be, you know, court-martialed. And if he's actually, you know, accused of all these things and it all goes through, he can go up to 60 years in jail. That's a lot of years. So thoughts, opinions, the floor is yours, guys. I think I'm still forming my thoughts, so please, someone jump in. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was a heavy one. Well, it's heavy because we, like we discussed before, we, you know, it, it's always been there, you know, if this is a thing, right? Everybody deserves their due process. So it's kind of hard to say, well, you know, send them, you know, we don't know, right? We, we've got to let the process do its thing. But it's more devastating when it's amongst our, our, you know, strategic leaders. We don't expect that at all. So, um, but as long as there's human beings, in the United States Air Force, that we are we are subject to those things. We are subject to all those things that are, ne- that, are, that, are that can be you know understood as negative, um, as well as positive. So uh, first and foremost, pl- you know, thanks for uh, giving us the update on that. Please keep us updated on that one, just so we can see what goes through, uh, what what process goes through a court martial and all those proceedings are. It's that's not pretty. It, it's not great. Um, just watching it, it's not great. Um, so. But I think for me, that failure, if this is a thing, let's say this is a thing, this is all this is substantiated and this is a thing, right? Like we mentioned before, a few podcasts back, we said that somebody knew back in the day, somebody knew back in the day, whether it was one of the homies or it was somebody who just let it go or whatever the case may be. Uh, cadre or whatever the case may be this this thing just magically i you know i I don't wake up and just say this is what i want to do right the failure in the ability for us to to call these things out caused us to get to where we are you know if, if this is a thing right it caused this whole event to happen so what i'm saying is failure can bring you it's a portal to who you to, to your arrival, and that could be good or bad. So I want you guys to understand that you want people to call out your failures early. You know, you guys need to be thankful that your flight commanders are actually giving you guys that failure point, those failure points early. Because if you don't get corrected, it becomes a norm. It becomes normal. It's, it's a standard. I can act like this because this person let me get away with it. Then my squadron commander let me get away with it. Then my you know group commander let me get away with it. All of a sudden, I'm all the way up here, and all of a sudden, somebody's telling me no. I I don't like what. So what I'm saying is, the the failure points of our lives need to be highlighted as soon as possible so that we can fix those things if they're fixable, and then move on with our lives with that patched uh, area in in our souls. So I mean, with that being said. What, what do you guys think? What do you guys, what do you guys, what's buzzing through your minds right now? I think, uh, I kind of want to, I'll say what I think, but then I have a question for you. So I think it ties back to kind of what I said of, when I think of this, I think of, you know, what the consequences are for the unit and how they might be feeling. Because now they are now subjected to his failure. And I was going to ask, have you ever gone through in your career a point where, you know, commanders have been removed or commanders have just failed straight up to the point where it affects the unit and either a new commander is put in or something of that nature? Because I do think that, you know, they they do deserve to be led better and not have to worry about these kind of things. So I'll take this one, Captain Sledge, if you don't mind. Um, yes, I am currently the flight commander for my flight because my previous flight commander did not uphold his end of the bargain. He had some toxic traits that were unbecoming and um, 
frankly, not conducive to a professional workplace environment. He ended up leaving on his own accord, which is probably best for all involved. He was not a bad person. He was very, he could be very likable. And on occasion, if we were doing like a going away, he would be one of like the main points of attention. Great to be around, but he had some workplace behaviors that just were not acceptable. Um, And it can really take a toll on people at all levels. And it kind of tears you and you will experience this. You're going to be in charge of a flight or something, some group of people, and you're going to have a star performer. And one day they're just going to mess up. And it's up to you to determine like the root cause, not why they did it, but the true root cause. Was it a pure misunderstanding? And what does the reg say? Is it a black and white issue? Like you have to give this form of punishment or is it a learning point? Can you walk them through what they did, why it was wrong and how to do better in the future? And is it something that the broader audience needs to be aware of? Or is it in a specific case better to kind of keep it quiet? In this general's case, absolutely not. You don't want to keep these types of things quiet. And that's why it's so sensitive because you don't know what happened on either side. So that's why they're taking so long for the judicial process is to ensure that both parties are treated fairly and correctly, um, given the longstanding efforts that he's put forward so far. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it to you guys. I'm going to kick it back to you guys uh, in your cadet wing. OK, because because Wade actually said this, he kind of is alluding to it um, when something like that happens, how it affects the ripple effect, the second and third and fourth effects of, you know, a, a commander or, or, or anybody in hot water. How that affects everybody else. For example, in your cadet wing, have you guys seen people, you know, exchange for, you know, are taken out of command for their for their conduct? Right. I'm not talking about like admins. I'm talking about for their conduct. Right. And if you've seen that or you had to do it right, how did that affect? And you guys tell me, tell me, how did you how did that affect the 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 entire enterprise? Because it wasn't just, oh, okay, yeah, it's just me. And I, I, you know, I put my head down and I go into the doghouse. Right. Tell me, how did how do you feel that that affected the entire cadet wing enterprise as you guys saw it? Tell me. I feel like in my semester, I mean, there was a situation like that where I had to remove somebody out out of a pretty big position. And I feel like it did affect the wing quite tremendously because especially being in a high leadership position you know certain facts that others don't know. And it's not like you're going to disperse them to the world either. You do them for a specific reason. So out of like professionalism, out of respect, I never really said a lot of things that happened on the back end of things. Only, you know, Colonel knew, you know, and and Kadri knew. Um, But a lot of people did not know. And a lot of people were questioning, you know, my decision of was it just personal or automatically assuming it was just personal when it wasn't. So it was a lot of like clashback against me and it does ruin kind of like the way that people see you in a sense, Um, because again, they really judge the way that you think and in a way sometimes like lose credibility in you. But at the end of the day, like, you know what what you did was right. Um, But all that like bouncing back and forth really did make the wing kind of seem a little bit unstable, a little bit distrustful of each other. Like, oh, am I going to be next? Or, oh, like she's being unfair or she doesn't understand us, you know, or she thinks she's being power hungry when it wasn't, you know, there, there are a lot of things I wouldn't have gone into that point unless it was absolutely necessary. Um, so sometimes we often forget that it does happen in the cadet wing. It's just a lot of things are pretty, you know, secretive because it's out of respect. Um, but also if you're, you know, for future wing commanders or Future leaders in general, don't be afraid to take action, even if you know you're going to be criticized, because that was my biggest learning lesson, because it was a big, a big deal. But, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, you know, I know what I'm doing is right. I'm doing it for these reasons. You know, I talked to Cadre, got some mentorship. Um, I'm not just all in my head, but you just kind of have to fight those internal battles yourself and just hold it strong. And, and that And that makes sense. And every last one of y'all who who probably, you know, can think of examples of, you know, how that affected you guys or, you know, you know, you might have you know talked to somebody who was affected by it. It hits you, too. So it the point is, it if it, it affects 
or impacts the entire cadet wing, but you don't know everything, right? You're not privileged to that information. So you just have to trust your leadership um, when it comes to those things. They know things that you don't know. Um, now, given that this, that y'all, you guys are just a cadet wing. Now, imagine a strategic two-star or three-star or four-star or whatever the case may be. Can, can you imagine the, the impact of that? That completely is amplified you guys' issue times a thousand, right? And, and it, you have to reconstruct everything all over again from scratch because somebody has been removed from your team dynamic, regardless of if they're toxic or not. They, they, they've been removed. So you've got to, you know, there's insecurities. There's this new person. Who, you're just a temp. So where, but, you know, you have to reestablish all those things that, that you had to, um, you had established before. So it's hard. So you wing commanders definitely know what that is. You squadron commanders know what that is. It's hard. The burden of command is very difficult. All right. So with that being said, let's see, what else, what else articles did you have? Yes. So I had another one that you have brought up to me, sir. And I felt like this was pretty much good also for the topic of failure because this enlisted member, you know, felt like she failed her family, but in reality, she was fighting adversity. So as a little backstory, her name is Amar Safar, and this woman, her family comes from uh, Pakistani descent. And a lot of their traditions is that they're, you know, prompted to be engaged uh, without much of a say. And she was, you know, starting about to start college and her family decided to go take a trip to uh, Pakistan. And she thought it was just going to be a family trip. And she gets there and it's actually supposed to be her engagement. And she is completely shocked and she's like, I don't want to do this. And she doesn't know what to do. Right. But she, you know, gets to come back here because that trip was supposedly just to meet her future husband. Right. She comes back and she's like, I don't want to do this. So she managed to escape her family through the help of a Navy recruiter at the time. And it was also during pandemic. So the pandemic. So she was really worried of how she was going to finish the, you know, carry herself how, how was she going to eat? Like, where was she going to live? But she actually had a colleague that helped her, you know, go to um, live with them. And she managed to get her associate's degree. And then she ended up enlisting right after getting her associate's degree. But, you know, she fought adversity. Now she's really considered a, a great enlisted member, does the best things, almost officer qualified. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? You know, again, she saw it almost as a failure, but then it's truly fighting adversity. All right. So I'll take it again. So first and foremost, so apparently the the United States Armed Services is getting folks out of bailing folks out of weird situations that they'd rather not be into. I'm proud to be able to say that because they got me out of the hood. So not only are you getting out of the hood and getting out of uh, joblessness, but you're also getting out of bad arranged marriages. So that's not uh, bad at all. uh, the United States Air Force is uh, about, you know, preserving and protecting certain freedoms. So uh, I, I don't blame her for going in that direction. Um, I think it's it, it's it's a really cool thing that, you know, you know, pathway. Right. And that made her, you know, fight a little bit harder. The, her personal fight, uh, as De Leon always says, everybody's fighting a battle you know nothing about. So uh, imagine that battle. Right. Imagine the battle against, you know, your culture your customs, um, your personal interests, um, you know, and all of that. It's just, it's, it's a lot. So, um, but using that as ammunition in order to get to where she's going, I think, I think that's pretty commendable. And the fact that she's able to, you know, she, she gets nothing but, you know, high marks from her supervision and things of that nature just, you know, just shows that she, um, cares about what she's doing and she could, easily remember what it, her life could have been if you know the USAF or the armed forces did not pick her up and and things of that nature I think she fights harder because of that situation so a lot of us don't have the uh situation that would drive us to to do that right we just want you know most of us just want to serve our country or get a trade or anything else like that I am trying to escape something here and and, and it's not it's not me so this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to work hard to make sure I don't go back to that direction. So I think that's pretty cool. The fact that, you know, you know, that she was able to take that path and then she's just, you know, you know, serving. But I, I think what what we really need to capture is the drive like that, that 
is getting her to from point A to point B because a lot of people don't have that drive because um, they, they've had, you know, regular ordinary lives. But this is a particular situation which the, the you know, the armed forces was able to uh, provide something and, and, and give her something to work towards. And I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, I'll hop in here really fast just to add my little two cents. But I think that's really um, noble of her in a way, too. She's like, I'm going to take my life into my own hands. And, you know, she found probably one of the only paths to be able to get out of the way that she didn't want to live a life. And now she is doing something that probably makes her happy instead of getting forced into things that she didn't want to do. So I, I, think, um, I think that's really noble and really cool of her. But that's all. But do you guys think do you guys think that she fights with the failure to, you know, comply with her parents, uh, her culture, her people? Um, you know, do, do you feel that she she has that? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I think I, th- I think I understand what you're putting down there, sir. But I think um, I think it's less so failure of her parents, but more so failure to herself is what drives her in that sense of she doesn't want to fail herself to and end up getting forced into a marriage she doesn't want to be. So she's going to continually run away from that fear and failure of herself and, and, you know, dive herself into her work. If that kind of makes sense, that's how I would do it. Yeah. I I would agree with that general there just because like, I feel like definitely as a woman, like, yeah, I feel like there's a whole bunch of different societal demands of you. And then specifically, if you're in a culture that's very demanding of women, like you do, as you say, kind of ish, um, doing that is just a huge feat in itself. And I know she doesn't want to be nowhere close to that. You know, she wants to be able to be free in whatever she does, whether what she in her in her occupation, where she lives, you know, who she decides to marry, you know, in the future. Like those are big things that if you think about it, like we're not thinking about it right now. Right. Or like we're not in that situation, but imagine if those things were taken away from you, you know, that would be great. So. All right, cool. So uh, next article, a ma'am, please. Are you all are you all out of ammunition? <laughs> no, I had one, um, but sorry, Tran. I know we're running over time, uh, but this one was I mean, okay, so- but Tran, Tran's cool. We good. <laughs> we good with it. That's why the sign went away. We good. Yeah, so this is the failure of the Department of Defense, uh, and, and they're doing things to repair it. So specifically last year, um, there was a lot of issues, and there actually was a lawsuit um, that aimed at the policy regarding I- IVF. For those that don't know, it's for those that are, you know, struggling with fertility, um, so they're therefore they can have you know babies, have families, whatever. And it was there was very specific policies when it came to that, and specifically with Tricare. And some families, you know, weren't together, or let's say they didn't want to have it with like. There, there's a lot of specificness, right? So I'm gonna read it. Um, so the Defense Department has decided to lift previous regulations that only covered in vitro fertilization for legally married couples using known sperm and eggs, and a new policy is due this month, February, but the Pentagon still hasn't released, you know, the actual regulation. So who knows if we'll actually get it this month. But essentially, it will allow single troops, unmarried couples, and any service members using donor sperm or eggs to have their treatment covered uh, by TRICARE. So that is the biggest thing that people are saying, that now they'll be able to be covered in all sorts of circumstances, not just in a, you know, legally married couple situation. So... I think that's really cool, you know, opening the doors for a lot of people's situations um, because everybody's not, everybody's life isn't just cookie cutter, right? And I feel like that would be the biggest thing I would say. Yeah, I think it's pretty sweet. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about some of the troubles that the the VA itself is having. They're having some some pushback on their policies for a whole bunch of things, especially in the uh, the transgender area and stuff. But they're it's things that they're talking about and they address because for people who are either retired or in the VAs, I mean, if you talk to anybody that's gone through it, it's it's a little bit of a hassle. But they even had points where there's like vandalism at some of the uh, the VA hospitals. They would take down flyers that were um, like advertising some of the services that they were giving for these kind of things. But I think the the VAs ability to put out, you know, statements and 
policies and their their direction on this is reassuring for anybody that has to deal with military medical coverage and TRICARE and any of that stuff. So props to them. Yeah, these things take a while. Uh, this is groundbreaking. Um, so, you know, a- again, this is one of those things where, um, you know, for me, Christian Sledge here, I, I struggle you know, throughout my 20 years in the Air Force, I struggle with some of the policies that are that are crafted. Um, I really do. I do. And, and and all as you guys grow up into the Air Force, you'll you'll get it too. You'll understand exactly what I'm saying. Where it's it's it is you're not you're wondering who's in the room when these when the policies are being made and and, and were these things considered at, at the bottom level? I don't know, right? Um and, and and those are you know tough decisions that people have to make about other people's lives and how they want to. Uh, keep things together. But the big thing about the USAF and the DOD and things of that nature is they they try their best to the best of their ability to keep up with modern times. Um, so these are one of, this is one of those policies that are, that are up on modern times. Um, I know people who did that same process. They had to do it outside of the TRICARE network and are excellent mothers, right? You know what I mean? Or whatever the case may be. Yeah, but it's just the policy just just did not support you know that, and I'm I'm glad that that is that is available for those who are trying to do it that way. Um, so they have options there, and and, and they're able to do uh do this thing called life on on somewhat on their own terms. So I know I don't I don't agree with you know some things in, in policy, um, but this one I, I do, and I'm glad that that you know the um DOD is kind of caught up. To, to some some modern day, you know, kind of normal things that are in our culture and it's just accepted culture now. So um, I think it's good. I think it's, it's fantastic. And it gives those, you know, those people the option to explore other things and, and have the support in order to do it. Cool. Yeah, and that's all so I have with that, planned. Sound, sounds like you're good to go. Cool. So we're going to go ahead and transition into the next thing, which, hey, this is all us, right? So number one topic of discussion where we're going to go ahead and deep dive. You are listening to the For the People Hypercast show. 